he pulls away and he's and he's got his hands on the side of my face like he can't even believe what he's looking at oh. on the side of my face and he goes i am your biggest fan welcome to the fireground fitness podcast where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground the views and the opinions expressed are those of your host rain gray myself as well as those of the guest Today's guest is Bobby Bonome. He's an FDNY firefighter, a CPA, an entrepreneur, and a philanthropist. Word of warning, there are some expletives in this episode. And if you would like a edited version, it's available at the website firegroundfitness.com. Without further ado, enjoy this episode. Bobby, man, it's great to have you on the podcast. And um, I want to talk to you about uh, some of the, uh, the the business that you're that you're developing and the um, uh, charity stuff that you're working on but before we dig into all that I would love to I would love to share a little bit about who you are and the work that you're doing uh, for the fire department and where you've been spending your time all these years um, so Bobby tell me a little bit sure. about yourself thank you rain uh, my name is Bobby Bonomi I am an FDMY firefighter I have about six years experience uh, prior to becoming a, an FDMY firefighter, we, we actually were just joking about it earlier. I was, uh, I'm a CPA as well. I'm still an active CPA in New York. And that was how I spent my time prior to getting onto the fire department. So uh, basically becoming a firefighter was, was always my dream. You know, I always wanted to do it since I was little. And, uh, you know, uh, I took the test when I was 17 and a half, but that test was actually they froze that list and actually threw it out uh, due to it being ruled racially discriminatory at the time. And, and uh, I ended up not getting on until I was 25. So there was a, there's a nice gap there. And at that time, I, you know, I didn't, didn't want to do yeah, nothing. Trying to figure out who you are yeah. during that time period, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So I was always good at numbers. You know, I always had a, a good feel for it. So I went to, uh, well, I thought I was going to finish college while I was a firefighter. I ended up, finishing college before I ever even entered the fire department. And after that, I got a job at uh, Deloitte & Touche, which is, a, a, you know, the number two accounting firm in the world. And I got my CPA there. I was, I was doing well. I was after two, three years, I was recruited by a, a hedge fund. I was working there for about two, three years. Again, I had my CPA, I had my MBA. Things were rocking and rolling. And then the FDNY finally called me and you know, I, I had to go for it. Was, yeah, was that just, a, was that a tough decision? Cause so for me, when I think about this, I had a brief stint working at a bank, uh, when I was going to school and right. absolutely miserable for me personally. And I'm wondering, like, clearly you're, you're still working as a CPA. So obviously you had, uh, you have some affinity for it. Were you finding yourself still enjoying that when you were there? Or was it one of those things you're like, I got to get out of here? Well, that's a good question because, you know, and, and a lot of people, have asked me that, and the easiest way I can answer it is, was it a tough decision? I'm not going to say it wasn't, an e it wasn't a complicated decision, mm -hmm. but it definitely wasn't an easy decision either, right? I mean, I, I, the best way I can describe to people is you will find things in life that you're good at, right, that you can make a living off of, but then you will find things in life that you were born to do. You know, mm -hmm. I'm uh, I, I'm a uh, like to consider myself a good accountant. I hope all my clients consider myself a, a good accountant. But that being said, when I'm firefighting, I mean, it's, I feel like I'm doing what God, it's like, this is what God put me here to do. You know, I'm filling the role that I was always born to do. And it just, it feels right with every 
fiber in my body when I do it. So, and, and it's funny because when, when I tried to getting on the, on the job, it was not, uh, like I said, I was, the, my career was moving along pretty nicely. And when I decided to jump and move to the fire department, you know, my dad, my mom, they were very upset. Is you know, right? my, my dad is, folks is do? like the rock. Of, yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my dad was pretty much the, the rock of our family. You know, he's a very, you know, pay your mortgage, very, very structured guy. And he was so happy to see me doing well in the private world. He was right. an electrician. My mom's a, a city teacher. So they were both in the public sector and seeing me, you know, not only in the private sector, but, but doing well. I was, I was about to become the, the youngest AVP uh, assistant vice president at the 14th largest hedge fund in the world. So it was, it was, I was so, I was happy. I was happy. I was making him proud. And then when I was, when I, when I told him I, I wanted to do this, He's like, I don't fucking believe this. You know, like, you're going to throw it all away. You, you know, you don't need any more breaks. All you got to do is be at this place. And, you know, I, was, I think it, at the time it was, they said with the new role, I was probably going to make between 150 if, if the, if the accounting, if the hedge fund had a bad year and well, 175, it was, it was a good year. And then I think probie pay at the time was 39,000. Oh. You know, and my dad was just. <laughs> live it yeah he was living he's like you're gonna throw this all away i don't support this decision and and it sucks because my i have actually a very good relationship with my family both my mom and my dad and to not have them in your corner you know you you know they want what's best for you so there's no question there but when they're not in your corner you kind of are like am i fucking up you know but i told them flat out and this is what made my decision and i said if i don't go for this I'm never going to sleep right again. And that's what really made my decision. I was like, I'll always be asking myself, what if? I wonder if I would have made a good firefighter. I wonder if I would have made a capable fire. I wonder if there was more I could have been doing. And, right. you know, it's, and I said, worst case scenario, I go for it, uh, whatever. I fail the academy. I find out that I'm not a, a capable fireman and whatever. I'll go grovel for my fucking job back. My year, <laughs> my career would take a, probably two three year like hit or whatever it is but right. at least i will know even at that point i was like worst case scenario it's still worth it just for the peace of mind so i won't be asking myself what if for the rest of my life yeah i think that's really cool man because the the idea that you had this vision for yourself this dream if you will right and you're like i need to know if i got that in me and so to yeah to chat take on the challenge and but i think it's important to to Note that you weren't just sitting there saying, man, if I do this and it goes bad, I got nothing, right? You had, right. you had continued to develop your skill sets and build your capacity in other ways, which I think is super important, um, you know, for anybody who's trying to, you know, cause you hear people right. say, Hey man, follow your dreams, follow your dreams. But the problem is, is that sometimes we do that and you're, you're, you might fail and you, you got to eat, you got to put a roof over your head and you got to, you know, you got to yep. maintain, uh, you know, you got to maintain a standard of some sort, Right. You can yes. still be following your dreams, but you got to figure out how to do that and be six and maintain that forward momentum. You know, the, your ability yep. to follow your dreams, and you say, hey, which I think is amazing, man. At, at 17, you had an idea what you already wanted to do, which I think for a lot of 17 year olds, that's that in of itself is pretty remarkable. And then you, you know, there wasn't an opportunity. So you said, all right, well, what can I do in the meantime? Right. You know, and then, right. that, then that opportunity came back around. You're like, okay, I, I'm still into this. Um, yeah. I think that's huge, man. 
And I remember at times, you know, I would ask my brother. He was, uh, he's four years older than me. He's, he's a mentor of mine. And mm. I remember at the time, you know, every time he says, listen, are they giving you the job right now? Is, did they call you for the job right now? I said, no. He goes, so then you don't even have a decision to make. Keep right. rocking and rolling with your career and, and move forward. You don't even have a decision. I don't want to hear any stress, anything about this decision because you don't have a decision to make yet. You know, and, and <laughs> sometimes you need to hear that kind of, kind of clarity, you know, and you can only get it from someone who's on the outside looking in where you're like, you know what? You're right. I could still rock and roll right now. I could still do what I have to do and put myself in a position to succeed. And no matter how it plays out, you know, you're never going to be upset when you, when you work hard at something because that's how you learn. Right. Right. Yeah, that's great, man. It's interesting. The success that you experienced in the private sector has given you a perspective, has given you knowledge that his, is going to you know, uh, sustain you throughout the rest of your life. And I'm certain there are days when you draw on that knowledge in the firehouse. And that's, oh, hell yeah. that's huge, man. Oh, hell yeah. You know, it, 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 I feel like it's, it's allowed me to think. It's almost, you know, I joke around with guys because, like I said, I'm still an active CPA and – you know, you sometimes I have to go from the office right to the firehouse. <laughs> and guys, you know, when I'm at the firehouse, you come rolling in a shirt and tie, your suit coat. Yeah, my dad jokes around. He's like, "You have the most blue collar job and the most white collar job." <laughs> how, you know, how's that? I said, "Well, when I'm at the firehouse, all they do is ask about the office. When I'm at the office, <laughs> all, all, you know, the girls all they do is ask about the firehouse. You yeah, know, it's that's like funny. you're the bridge between." these two worlds and and i love living there because i feel like it's two different parts of my brain that i'm keeping sharp oh, you know it's like you know they're both resourcefulness in different ways but it's cool to be challenging my brain in two different ways so frequently yeah yeah it's interesting and my so body what's your well let me ask you what's your favorite part so uh what's your favorite part about being on the job now that you're there, you're kind of you know six years into it. You've you, know, you broke off the broke the edge off, and there you are, in the middle of it now. Yeah, um, I, it's absolutely the best job in the world, and and the best decision I've ever made in my life. You know, again, it wasn't an easy decision, but I could not be happier with my decision. Uh, I love the job. The job's been very good to me, and I try to always be be treat the job with the respect that it deserves i would say my favorite part is and, and people might have trouble understanding this i don't think you someone like you would but being there during the tragedy being there for i mean the second the tones go off and you go out the door it's it, it most of the time the worst point of someone's life right Right. It's, it's most of the time it's you, you, you do a CPR on someone's dad. I mean, it's 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 never you never go in there and it's a calm situation, or at least not for the most part. Right. But I enjoy helping people when they need it most, and not just you know because there was it's funny that I, I was a uh, one of one of my mentors. I was talking to him, and he was talking about gaining clarity. And he made me correct myself. He goes, but you don't just want to help people because everyone, people like to help people. 
do this and people like to help doing this. He goes, you like to help people in the dire circumstance. You like to help people. What you crave is helping people when they need it most. I yeah. said, you know what? You're right. You know, you're right. That's the only thing that, you know, that's what gets me fired up. That's what yeah. really excites me. That's why, you know, I make sure I'm at the top of my game and fit for duty every time I come there because I know they're going to need every ounce of my brain and body to, to, to get whatever it is, whatever the task, you know, you never know what you're, what you're going to go to when the tones go off. So I guess I enjoy being in the heat of the moment where your heart rate jacked up and, and still being able to think clearly. I've never been, you know, more so than now, like, you know, even these breathing tactics that they're teaching us now through the FDMY, through, through this, uh, this new initiative. I mean, it's so incredible the way you're able to control your body in these chaotic, right? It's always chaotic, right? What, what do we joke around? We say firefighters, it's organized chaos. Yeah. That's all we do, right? Yeah. It's, you're, you're always operating in a chaotic environment, but we bring as much organization as you can. And it starts internally with bringing your heart rate down and being able to see things clearly and not missing radio transmissions. And it's awesome. I, I love it. It's my favorite part of it. That's what's really, it's funny you say that because I think, you know, I knew, I had a very similar uh, uh, mantra, right? I, when I was a young man, I'm like, okay, I really, I really just want to, I want my work to be valuable and I want to help people. And so I worked in retail, I worked in construction, you know, serving in the Marine Corps, I felt like I really met that mark. But when I left the Marine Corps, I'm like, well, now what am I going to do now? And I, and I ended up working uh, for a bank at one point and, you know, no disrespect to people who work in banks, but I'm like, dude, the commodity that we're helping people with, they can get this anywhere. What makes this, right. and I couldn't wrap my head around, like, I'm sure there's somebody out there who's like, no, no, there's a way this product is special for this reason. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, mm-hmm. I, I don't see it. But when I, when I got, hooked, yep. when I got connected to the fire service, I go, wait a minute, this is a place where the service you do, it, there's, there's not a lot of folks who are capable of being present and focused when things are going sideways. And that to me was the ultimate you know, the penultimate challenge was to be able to, to show up when someone is having the worst day of their life and, and try to yep. do something to help that person. Um, right. and to me, so I, to me that summarizes the mission of the fire department is to, you know, be an all hazards, you know, chaos coordinator, right? Our job is to bring order Absolutely. to chaos in, in all hazards environment. And so, you know, all those little, so to, you know, you said something really that I think is super important. You know, you talked about showing up physically, mentally, and emotionally prepared for the job because that's what is expected. And mm-hmm. I think that's super important for folks to remember, you know, and, and, and particularly as you're preparing yourself to become a firefighter or, you know, if you're on the job and, you know, there's, let's face it, man, every job over time you begin to you know, uh, the, the allure wears off and it becomes routine. Right. And, you know, it's a challenge for folks who, you know, when that routine sets in for whatever reason, the complacency follows it. And we have to remember, we really have to remember why we're here, you know? And and I, I think, you know, I try to, I try to, uh, share that message as much as possible. And, you know, do you, how organizationally or whatever in the FDNY or even in your firehouse, how is that? mentality maintained do you think got it got it well one i want to thank you you mentioned that you were marine and i want to thank you for your service oh you know it was my pleasure that's an amazing thing what you did and and touching on the point of just staying sharp and staying at the top of your game i could absolutely agree you know when 
complacency. It's so easy, right? I mean, it it could settle in at every corner of your life and it's so easy. You don't even see it there and growing, but I can at least speak that within the firehouse, I can't speak highly enough about these guys. There's, there's a lot of veterans in my firehouse. They, They have this structured discipline and, and it's kind of when you see guys in front of you, right now, I never, I didn't know anyone on the job prior to getting on. I didn't know firehouse culture. I really, it was all culture shock to me, you know, and you know, even in the academy, they said, when you don't know what to do, find someone who you emulate, find someone in the firehouse who you emulate. You say, wow, this guy has the respect of everyone here. This guy is a super capable fireman. I want to be like this guy. Okay. Just look at what he's doing and do that. If you're unsure, just, just do that, you know? So that is the way you start. That is the way you definitely begin your, your learning phase, finding the right people to ask the questions to in terms of firematics and things like that. But also, you know, now that I'm at this turning point of my career, being six years in and, you know, the job just keeps getting younger and, and there's more and more guys coming in underneath me, right? Yeah. So now the responsibility, what's the best way to learn something? to teach it right or at least that's what the way that that's the model of the firehouse I like so it. Now, yeah, absolutely there are certain things that okay maybe i'm capable with this tool now that i wasn't so capable of in the first 18 months of, of, of on the job but now now I've, I've used it a number of times i'm capable of it okay but some I probably just got to the house he doesn't know it and it's on it's now someone took time out of their day to show me who am i to do anything less than what that firefighter did for me for the next guy right so now yes okay you're good with the tool excellent is the next guy yeah you know because that's on you to make sure that he is so you're constantly it's like that 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 influx of new blood i find is so helpful and the culture of Mm. i can only speak for my firehouse but these that these guys implement where you know there's no there, there, there's no time where you should be able to take your foot off the pedal because now, okay, you just became capable. Great. Now you're accountable for the next guy to make sure he's capable. And if he's not, you're going to hear it because what, what, why did you think that someone, you were important enough to someone take that time out of their day to show you, but, but they're not, Yeah, you know? So it's such a great accountability standard. I guess that's the best word for it is that everyone is accountable for the people underneath them. So if you're there and, and it's awesome, I've seen it. It's happened to me. I've done it to other people. I've seen where, you know, you're on your cell phone at the dinner table and someone sees and they say, Oh, you can, you can afford to be on yourself. You must know everything. Wow. <laughs> you must know every fucking tool on that rig, you know? And then, and then they will make you, now they're going to bring you over to the rig. You're going to be pulling out, some tool that we haven't used in months and they're going to make you set it up. And if you're not doing it perfectly, you know, you're going to hear it and they're going to let you know that you don't know everything. You can't afford to just take your foot off the pedal because you know, it's not, it's not going to cost someone money like like it would at any other job. You know, you not being sharp is going to cost someone their life. And it could be one of the guys next to you, one of the girls next to you, or it could be the civilians that are counting on you. So, when you when you really appreciate the responsibility that society tasks you with, you understand that shit. I that I am not smart enough to to take my foot off the pedal for a second. I'm not capable enough 
right. to take my foot off the foot uh, foot off the pedal for a second and still consider myself at the top of my game, you know? Yeah. You know, it's the thing that occurs to me too is that when you've we're responsible for so many different areas of expertise. So you have right. you know this one skill set over here and you 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 work on it, you develop it. Meanwhile, all your other skill sets are beginning to diminish. Right, they're all Correct. they're all perish they're all yep. they're perishable skills, right? So they're all beginning to weaken over time, just like a, a just like a an axe that doesn't get taken care of accumulates rust, yep. right? So you got to constantly be exercising all your different skill sets, and you know, I me personally, I'm like, man, I got to have a plan in place, like, I have a training plan, like let's let's work through a system, and then uh, yeah, but but you know, the thing you brought up that was really important is the idea of the senior man. Because, yes. and, and, and I think sometimes our organization, uh, Phoenix Fire Department, is really young as well. And uh, I hear guys talk about, oh, we're so young, we're so young, we're so young. I'm like, dude, you can be six years on the job. You know, when I came on, I think, which, you know, I'm not that senior, but when I came on, my senior guy had 25 years on. But now yep. the senior guy could have four or five years. And your back seat yeah. is real young. But... So what, what experiences have you built up, right? Like you have to evaluate yourself and say, okay, what do I know? And, and, and I got to turn around and share this and that's going to help us as a team build skills. And, and, and honestly too, man, you get a guy who comes in, who's got a, who's got a construction background or, or whatever. And you say, Hey, you know, you know, some stuff. Why don't you teach me? You might be the, the, the FNG on the truck, but guess what? You have some information that that's going to help us all get better at what we're doing here. Uh, so that's a huge, absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with that point more. It's kind of recognizing what you know and and recognizing what you don't, you know, I, I, I implemented that exact tactic about a week or two ago. There was a guy much junior than me, but he was a paramedic before he came Mm. uh, to the fire department and he's still a paramedic. And, and, there's no one more qualified who was working that day to speak. We were going over tourniquets because one of our guys just, uh, his arm got sliced at a job and, and, and they had to actually apply two tourniquets in order oh, to stop the bleeding dang. and end up saving his life. Right. So you read that article Legit. and you say, shit, am I good right now with the tourniquet? Can I apply one right now? If I, if I had to, you know? Yeah. And so we kind of had a day of just refreshing on some of these life-saving tactics, but why, should I be saying that? Yeah, I guess I have more time than this guy, but I asked him, I said, listen, I honestly feel that you're the best guy for this. And, and if you feel comfortable doing it, don't get me wrong. I'll step in if you need me to, but if you feel comfortable doing it, I'd rather, I'd rather, it means more coming from you given your experience. And, you know, he stepped up to the plate and, you know, maybe it was a half hour drill, but this guy was doing, you know, hours of, 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 debriefing and due diligence on his own getting ready to run the drill and he was excited you know he's speaking to old guys that have more time than him and he loved that he was tasked with the responsibility and in my head i'm like man this is such a fucking win yeah this is i'm not only am i learning but this is the way a senior guy did it to me where he says you know the tool yeah okay well you're going to show him the tool right instead i thought i was just going to be sitting in on the drill you know watching a senior guy teach a junior guy and he kind of like blindsided me and said, you know the tool? You show him because that's the best way to learn. Yeah. And, and, and it was, uh, was kind of cool. It was almost like that passing of the torch type thing. And don't get me wrong. I still have a fuck ton to learn. I am uh, 100% a work in progress. But it was cool to be able to empower guys 
underneath me and seeing the way they run with it and the respect that they treat it with. It was just, it was awesome, man. It was yeah. like such a huge one. It made my whole night. That's a cool, that's really cool, man. There's a really cool, uh, I hear a lot of guys talking about leadership, right? And they're like, well, I'm not in a position to be a leader. And the, the expression that I heard was lead where you are. Right. So him yeah. teaching a skill that he has is an, is a, an example of him being a leader. I'm not going to, I could, I could yeah. shy away and be like, no, no, no. And he just keeps all that information to himself and never shares it. And then you're not leading anybody. But if you right. are willing to share what you know and you say, Hey man, I'm, I'm a little afraid of this. It's freaking me out a little mm -hmm. bit, but you, but you're willing to step up and do it. Um, that's an example of leadership, right? So, you know, we talk about being a good step up to fuck up. <laughs> hey, and, and there's so much to be learned from making errors, right? That, you yes. know, that's that we grow, we grow, we grow, we grow so much when we make errors and, um, you know, we, we learn deference and humility and, and you, you get better from that, which is huge. And I love the fact that you expressed a certain amount of humility in this situation as well, right? Cause you're like, Hey man, I'm the senior guy here. I should be the one who's going to take the reins on this, but I'm not the expert. So I'm going to defer my ego and I'm going to let the yes. experts speak. And that's really important as well, right? To let guys that are coming up behind you see that uh, you can subjugate your ego and and uh, and that is good for the team. It's good for uh, people's opportunities, et cetera. You don't always have to be the guy because you're yeah. not. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm reading a book on leadership now and, and the great leaders, you know, they leave a place better than they found it. You know, and, and, and some of the mentors in the firehouse, some of the senior guys that I was, I'm just blessed to have crossed paths with, you know, they always leave it better than you found it. Yes. Now let's pretend you are this incredible leader and, and, and you're able to really run a tight ship. You're working, things get done and everything is okay. But what about when you're not working? And what about when you retire and, 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 just like any business or things fall to shit the second you leave. That's not, that's not good. That's great that you were able to lead them, but if they don't become leaders themselves, you yes. don't want to put yourself in a position. What does that prove? Oh, look how much, look how useful I was. That right. sucks. You know what I mean? You want right. to, you want to be able to leave a place better than you found it. So it's kind of like, just same way guys allow you to become a capable leader. You have to give the opportunity to the people around you as well. And you touched on something before that it's funny. You just said it because I, I literally just read it in, in, in one of the books that I was reading. And it said leadership is a funny thing because people who are in leadership roles aren't necessarily – they might be in management-type roles. They're not good leaders. Mm -hmm. and, and, and conversely, you might have someone who's a great leader who's not necessarily the manager or the by title team, a team lead, you know? So it's like, you, you, I 100% agree with what you said. You don't have to be the manager in order to be a good leader. There are people, just lead the people you can and do the right thing. There's so many people, and I'm seeing it more now, even with the charity and everything where it's just, it, it, it's an amazing how many people that you don't even realize that are within your reach that you can help by by getting your leadership skills up and and really doing right by them. It, yeah. It's amazing the effect that you can have. Yeah, absolutely. You know this. We have a we talk a lot about you know leaving it better than you found it. Right. It's a I think it's a very 
old adage in the fire service. And, and so, yep. you know, West coast, East coast, we, we both heard that coming in and going up. Right. So what's yep. interesting to me about that expression, um, you know, when you talked about the, uh, the, how it relates to leadership and I can't think of anything more egotistical than thinking that when I retire, the system's going to fall apart. Right. Like right. talk about an egomaniac. Like, and so, so truly leaving it better than you found it is, is institutionalizing things that are built on systems, not on individuals, right? Yes. If we build a program that can be long lasting, like for example, this idea of, of institutionalizing the concept of a senior man and the passing on of knowledge and the sharing of, of that wealth, then that becomes perpetuated generation after generation after generation and becomes the way it is. And I, and I'm sure somewhere back in the day, there was a salty ass fireman who was like, Hey man, let me show you something. And that got pat. And then Mm -hmm. that became the way. And, um, and it became systematized and that that's fantastic because then it perpetuates forever. And that is true legacy and and leadership and, and a legacy of leadership. Um, Love that, man. And that's such a, I'm, I'm yeah. super glad to hear that that is uh, how you guys have a very similar culture in the FDNY uh, that we experience on, you know, out here in Phoenix, man. It's, that's it's awesome, really man. cool. It's, 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 it's so important to the, to the health of all five departments, any institution really, yeah. you know, I'm reading a book right now. I just, I figured I'd mention the name of it. It's called good to great. And it literally, it couldn't illustrate everything that you're driving home right now yeah. that you know they don't even they point out the difference of a good leader who 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 was able to maintain such a great time ship and and the, the 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 company grew while under this person's tutelage but then the second they left you know everything kind of went down they were looking for leaders who were able to build something up and it was actually able to they had successors who were able to continue to deliver because of the training and the knowledge they were the tool that they were able to pass down right that's, that in my opinion is a great leader you yeah. know that's that level five type just just amazing yeah um, i got a lot i got a lot to learn i got a lot of room but that that is the eventual goal yeah, on yeah i think it's position. that's that whole subjugation of ego you get outside yourself and realize that my job as a leader is to bring others along right to bring other people up yeah. and help them learn how to be leaders and be successful that's true mastery mastery of the game i think you know something to aspire toward for sure i like that absolutely hey you 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 mentioned um so bobby you're doing that um i I apologize i forget what it's called but you guys you got that mapping company that you guys are doing and to help with it's called uh, rapid response co cool so tell me tell me about that i know it's, it's designed to help fire departments be more effective in their in their mapping and routing and but tell me more about how that works. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to tell you. So, uh, yeah, the company's called Rapid Response Co. And the product is called 360 Response. And what this product is, it's designated for first responders. It's giving us tactical advantages over the emergencies that we're responding to prior to arrival. And I say that with emphasis prior to arrival because that is, you know, the average response time is four and a half minutes, right? And let's figure you got 30 seconds to get your shit on and get on the rig. You know, you're still on the rig. You got that, we call it the window of opportunity Mm -hmm. where you're not at the fire scene yet. And at least from our side, you're dealing with such minimal information. Sometimes you got in a street address 
and you got Cross Street, and that's it. So maybe me, you have some information on the bill. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Let me ask you a quick question. So, in and I'm, I'm assuming you're, you know, when you look when you're looking through the lens of FDNY, do you guys have? Uh, we call them MCTs, right? Mobile computer terminals. Do you guys have those in the rig? Yes. And so you get some information from we, your dispatch center that comes down. Some, you know, the PTI we call it, right? The uh, the patient information that comes in ahead of time, or the the what information are you guys correct. getting on that front end? Correct. So yeah, we have an MDT. And basically, we have what's called the SID system, very similar to what you just mentioned, okay. critical information uh, data system. And if it's something that we have inspected already, say it was under construction or it's some sort of uh, oddball MD, or if we happen to have just been in that building doing inspection, building inspection beforehand, we will have a small, I think it's limited to about 150 characters, right, where we have pre-documented information on that building so it might say uh uh, three-story non-fireproof building rear Mm. you know rear fire so you can put in like a a premise alert of sorts that kind of gives you information about that premises or that occupancy specifically exactly exactly but the thing is is that you know for for private dwellings we don't have anything like that Mm -hmm. you know for a lot of buildings we don't have anything like that so literally you got you got an address you know, and cross streets. And then you got to figure shit out, you know, when you get there, which is, you know, I feel like firemen are, firefighters are the most resourceful people on the planet. We yeah. always find a way to, to get things done. But that being said, you know, someone who I was talking to made a great analogy. He goes, but, you know, surgeons at one point, yeah, they would cut you open and then figure it out there. But now that the X-ray technology and MRIs are out there, he goes, no one would ever have surgery without first having an X-ray, a sonogram, an MRI, prepping the surgeon of exactly what he needs right. to do. No one's going to cut it open and figure it out. Yeah. He goes, uh, you know, and, and I feel like that's such a great thing. And why, why, why send guys in blind when we no longer have to? You know, that's like unnecessary risks for both yeah. the firefighters that are responding, the first responders that are that are responding, and the civilians that are, that are in there. You know, yeah. so what well, this software does, because I know I didn't. Well, hold on. Before sorry, you go there, what, no, no. What I was going to say, though, what's really important is we talk a lot about size up. Right. And, but, and size up isn't just looking at the problem. Size up is all the intel and information that you gathered ahead of time. So if you've been in a building and you pre planned it and you walked in it, I heard a great story from uh, one of your guys' retired chiefs. uh, uh, I can't remember his first name. Last name was Mains. And um, Mm -hmm. he's one of the borough chiefs. Anyway, he came out to lecture out here and he talked about, he told the story about when he was a young firefighter. He walked out of a building and his back was to it. And Lieutenant stopped him and said, Hey, Tell me, tell me everything you know about this building. And he went to look back and he's like, no, 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 no looking back. And he's like, uh, tell me about the windows. What kind of windows? Tell me where the fire escape's at. How many floors is it? Where's yep. the stairwell? And the guy's like, and, and he's like, man, never again did I get caught not knowing because that information is hugely valuable to your ability to mitigate the emergency, right? And, uh, and to sur- affect rescue and to survive the incident, et cetera. So, um, so any premise information you have ahead of time is super important to your ability to size up the structure because once it's on fire, it's a whole different ball wax, you know, a whole different ball of wax and the game's changing and evolving yep. at that very moment. So anyway, so I apologize. I, I, I wanted to say that because I think that really is a important part of what you're talking about here is any information you can have on the front end is really critical and important. 
Yeah, yeah. No, listen, size up is all we preach across the whole first responder industry. Size up, size up, size up. Starts in the morning, right? Knowing if you're going in, if it's going to be raining out, what if you're going to have high wind, right? It, we preach it all day long. And, right. and this tool is just driving that point home. You know, it's taking the tools that we have and putting it on steroids and really getting guys some good information about the emergency that they're that they're heading to, you know, and, and it's funny that that tactic is also used in my firehouse and I've been caught with my pants down, <laughs> not paying attention. And you know, how many units, you know, you, you, so he's like, so you walk by the mailboxes and you walk by the doorbells and you're going to tell me you have no fucking idea how many, uh, you know, apartments are in there. You're like, damn it. Oh God. You're right. You know, you, it, but it's part of the training. You know what I mean? But yep. it's, uh, I think it's great. Yeah. That everything that that chief said is, a hundred percent spot on and and i appreciate you driving that point home because sometimes i get too excited and i bypass certain things but yeah the size of this is what this tool is it's enhancing our size up and it's enhancing our and, and by doing that it's enhancing our safety the uh, you know our efficiency all these things you know mm-hmm. and 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 all right so i guess i never really talked about exactly yeah so what, what exactly does it do it could, <laughs> Okay, so imagine the ticket. What it does is when the ticket comes in, so when you have a, let's pretend you have a call for fire and the address pops up. Now, instead of maybe me just getting, okay, uh, 9th Street between 5th and 6th Avenue, it's going to say we had no information on the building. Well, now that's all I have. If I had some information, let's say it was a three-story non-fireproof brownstone, okay? Maybe I have some of that information, but what this software is going to do is it gives you a street view of that building. So it may, if you're looking at the front of the building, if you have oh, any overhead like, wires, kind of like or the trees, go- like a Google Street View, like that type of situation. Correct. Okay. Correct, and it's leveraged right off of Google. So it's I'm I've been so impressed, and you know we've done live demos with departments. And they're like, oh, well, what about this building? I'm like, well, type it in. Let's see what happens, you know? And we throw it in. And anytime Google updates their data, their database, it streamlines right to our software. So these, these first responders are working with the most up-to-date information as humanly possible, which is awesome. And another thing we're able to do is give them a 3D view of the whole building and again i'll send you a, a quick video so you can actually get a nice visual of exactly what i'm talking about That'd be but, cool. but pretend you have this 3d building 3d view of the building and say you had no information on the building you could see rear fire escapes or side fire escapes or open shafts or closed shafts or peaked roofs or flat roofs you know all this on the way there you could see these trees that are going to impede getting the the aerial up or the tower ladder up and you you already know you you, all right guys we're gonna have to work with portable ladders you know the aerials out these guys already know that they're coming up with their plan a plan b plan c before they even get there which was never the case you know you you never had that much clear information Uh, you got a hundred foot setback how many times have you been in a building where you had no idea you thought this building was maybe you know, 25 by 50, and there's a, there's a another 50 foot setback, and you're like, whoa, that's not a way out. You yeah. know, I, I, yeah. yeah, or or just knowing that you have a rear fire escape, and as things get shitty, at least you know, okay, I got I got one. You know, I know there's one right out of this window. I got one. You know, imagine knowing the all these things before you get there. Well, and, and one of the probably I should have started with this. My developer is probably gonna get pissed at me, but probably the 
the key point of take home point of the software, really how it all originated was in regards to these hydrants. The right. second an address comes in, you know, the engine knows instantaneously the closest hydrant in exact distance and feet. And if that hydrant, I mean, at least in New York City, that's, that's an issue. Is the hydrant in service or out of service? You know, and it's clearly deciphered. You know, if it's green, it's the last time I was tested, it was in service. Green, you're good to go. Yellow, undetermined. Red, out of service. Hmm. So you already know, where's my closest hydrant? Is it working or not? How many gallons per minute it can output? Uh, uh, what was some of the, uh, the main size that seats it. You know, all these things huh. right off the ticket. And, and, and it's just the advantages that it gives these guys, you know, where, okay, yeah. even if it's red, you know, tools crap out. There's not one tool on the rig that I could say, yep, this tool always worked and it's never broken. You know, we're firefighters. We break everything, <laughs> you know. So it's a tool like everything else. Where I'm not saying trust it, take it as gospel, yeah. but at least you know going in. Hey, say you're your control man, or that's that's basically the guy who's in, in, that's the the name of the position for us. The guy who's in charge of procuring that positive water source. The guy who's in charge of testing that hydrant before he gets there. He can already see. Okay, well we have a hydrant right in front of us, right across the street, but that was red. It's red right now. So he's already knowing going in. I'll test it. But I already know my next closest hydrant is 30 feet back or 40 feet back on the same block, on the same side of the street, and that one's green. You know, yeah. and he's already telling the, the, the chauffeur, right? The chauffeur's worried about one thing, getting the men there safely. Yep. So when this guy says, all right, you know, he's already building this plan B because if you pull up, and it, and it happens, right? You got a fucking probie who's in charge of getting that hydrant working. He pulls up, you pull up to this fire, you got people hanging off the fire escape, screaming, my baby, my baby, and he's testing this hydrant, and it's frozen. It's frozen. You know, it's very hard to think clearly in that chaotic environment when you have a, especially being, and the less time you have, the harder it is, yeah. right? So it's like, why not give this guy the tactical advantage of, I've already thought about this. It's much easier to come up with your plan A and plan B while you, the lieutenant, the officer, the captain, who's ever riding that day, saying, guys, listen, here's what we got. If, 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 if this is our initial plan, if it don't work, I need you guys doing this and this. All right, 10-4, as opposed to, you know, when everyone gets off the rig, all bets are off. Yeah, you could still come up with a plan of attack, but it's a lot more difficult. Who missed that radio transmission? Who's it? You know, it's, 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 all the game changes and your heart rate is through the roof at that point. So it's, it's yeah. imagine we're giving guys the ability to come up with these, like you said, bring organize organization to the chaos chaos. It's like, let's, let's take that up five more notches. Let's give these yeah. guys exactly where the hydrants are. If they're working, let's give these guys layouts of the building street view, 3d views. Let's give them all that in this incredibly in user-friendly way where if I had two minutes, I can get everything I need, right? Because and, and you could probably vouch for this because we thought we were being clear with our developers. We told them what we wanted in the onset years ago. Yeah. They came back with a product and we were like, guys, this is not what we asked. You know, this is useless. You know, if I were to show you a paragraph of good information on the way to a fire, you, you'd look at me and say, Bobby, this is, this is great. I, I, I don't have time for this. You know, like I, I, I got to get my shit on, right? You know, yeah. you got to get your gear on. And, 
you're not too much information is as good as no information. And that's an, a point that we take to heart at our company when we build, when we build our products, you know, it's built with a team of firefighters with over 45 years of experience that, you know, every time we think, Oh, it's a good idea. And then you put it into practice and you have some of these senior guys shit all over it. Some of these senior fire first responders just yeah. shitting all over. And they're like, yeah, it sounds good, but it's not practical. Think about it, it on the response. And, yeah. you know, you just test it well, and you fine tune it. And you test it and you fine tune it. And it's just, uh, it, it's awesome. It, we're having fun with it. Yeah. You couldn't have a better group of, of uh, product evaluators than firefighters because nobody is better yeah. at identifying problems <laughs> than firefighters. <laughs> that's their, that's their biggest talent. Really love- yeah, we test it until we break it, and well, then we keep breaking it. So I got a question for you. So you said you talked about the um, the three sixty piece of it, which is interesting because for a couple of reasons. One, like, like there are so many line of duty deaths where we looked at the uh, NIOSH reports, and they talk about getting three hundred sixty degrees of information would have made a difference on the fire, and. The reality is that it is not always practical to physically get a 360. And I've, you know, I laugh about that because yep. I've watched a couple of videos where you see a dude pull up, you know, a chief by himself, and he's the first one on the scene. He puts his coat and hat on and takes a lap around this, you know, big open space and walks around the building, and um, and then you know waits for everyone else to show up. And I thought, I, you know, we've had mm-hmm. so many events where I'm like, dude, I can't, I can't get to the backyard. There's block walls. There's there's freaking pit bulls. There's piles of trash. There's yep. you know, let the, the reality of the job is that getting to the back to see what's going on is not always possible. Um, so, so I was like, okay, the, if I was able to see 360 of the building prior to arrival. So my question is, that's fantastic. But my question is, how the heck do you do that? Like, how do you guys do that? I mean, right. it's probably proprietary software. <laughs> yeah. It, you know what? It, it's, it's an excellent, it, it's, it's an excellent point, and and you know you touch on a point. Uh, it, it sounds like I'm talking to one of the senior guys on my team because he said exactly this. He goes, Bobby, don't get me wrong. I like the software, this and that. He goes, this is a roof and OV tool, right? Our OV is is outside vent, and I know not every department uses the same terminology, which is why I, I kind of make sure I, I, I explain myself. But I, pre- I appreciate that more than you that. know. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so this guy is in charge of doing exactly what you just said. Get to the rear and let me know what we got, right? The mm. chief needs a guy on the roof. Let me know what we got on the roof. We need a guy who gets it to the rear. And, and I can't tell you, this, this senior guy who's on our team, he's all about it, man. He fucking drives this point home. That He's got 26 years of experience with, with the FDNY. And he is just, he, he's like, listen. This is the OV tool. This is an OV tool. I can, this is how the guy knows he's getting to the rear. This is the, how the guy knows, oh, it's a peaked roof. I don't need to get up there. I'm working with the OV. He goes, these guys, j- just on this tool alone, every guy, every rig should have it. He goes, just on, I understand it can help other firefighters. And yeah. naturally, this guy's in the truck, so <laughs> you can expect where he's coming <laughs> from. But, but that being said, he's like, this tool is absolutely necessary even if it's just for the OV and the roof man, because now he knows how he's getting to the rear. He knows basically what to expect when he gets to the rear. And he know they know what kind of roof they're working with. They know if there's heavy equipment on the roof. They right. know if there's open shafts, closure. He goes, 
He goes, this, this, this can't not be on the rig another day. Right. Just be for those two roles alone, you know? And, and it's mm. awesome to hear a guy with, he's a mentor of mine, but a guy with such substantial experience, you know, testifying to it, you know, like saying yeah. that he's been in these bad spots and this would have helped. This would have made the difference, you know, something that, that keeps me so fired up every morning. It, listen, the, the company is growing and that's a great thing. And, and, and working with all these new fire departments, it's fun and, it, you know, keep tinkering with the software. It's great. But, you know, it's like anything else. Sometimes you're just like, man, this is a lot of time. And, you know, it, it's yeah. hard to stay fired up every day. But all I have to do is think about is, you know, this software, we say it, we mean it, we bleed it, we breathe it. It's, it's going to save time and it's going to save lives. This software, let's just say the average operating time, last time we checked for, for fires, is I don't know, like 53 minutes, right? And let's just say that as the department's using it, we see that statistically we were able to bring their, their average operating time at a fire from 53 minutes down to, I don't know, 51 minutes on average. So just two minutes per fire. Right now, if I'm trying to sell the software to somebody and they have a bean counter in the room, yeah, we have to denominate. Okay, a fire costs six hundred eighty six hundred eighty dollars per minute mm. in direct property and you know casualty damage. So if we cut off two minutes per fire and you had fifteen hundred fires last year, bop bop bop, we can do the numbers game and prove how this software is is worth it and actually denominate it in monetary value. Great. Right. But what really gets me fired up and charged is that those two minutes, and you could probably speak to it as well, those two minutes could very well be the difference of getting someone's daughter out or not. Forget all the fucking money that we're saving this municipality, this department, and property damage and all stuff. No, 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 no. The two minutes is what's going to get, is the difference between having a conversation with somebody and saying, I'm sorry, sir. You know, there was nothing we can do or yeah, she's all right. You know, she just has second degree burns. Yeah. That two minutes is the well, difference. When we talk and, about, and, and, it, yeah, we talk about using this. No, as I'm a, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. We start, when we talk about using this as a tool on the front end of a firefight, um, that is hugely critical to life safety, right? To life safety of, of those who could be impinged upon by the fire, to life safety of firefighters, et cetera. It's, it's something so funny to me. The idea uh, that was popping in my head was like, I set my boots up, my coat up the exact same way every shift so that when I come mm -hmm. out in the middle of the night or whenever, I just, in automatic, they go on, right? If somebody were to move yep. my stuff, it would wreck my whole program, right? <laughs> like it seems yep. very yep. OCD, yep. but like, so even like if you put, if, if someone changed the hose load in my cross lay, it would, in my pre-connects, yep. it would jam me up because you go to pull the cross lay and what the hell, man? Like it's not the nozzle isn't where it's supposed to be. The loops right. aren't where they're supposed to be. Whatever, right? That's just an example to me. Yep. Like, and I was thinking about the when you talked about the hydrants, you know, having being able to see uh, a visual about hey, where this is where the hydrants located at. This is the possible status of it. Here's where your secondary and tertiary uh, plugs are located at. Having that plan before you step off the truck is huge because that way, no matter what happens, yep. you've already thought through the motions and you've, you've established uh, some order in that chaos. And I think that's yes. a big part of it, right? So you, you establish that plan and then 
from there you fall back to your training and whatever, right? But that all those pieces, that that size up element, the, the gathering of intel, and then the ability to act on it is really important. How, so so just a point of clarity for me, how do you guys figure out or how accurate rather is the status of those plugs? Who's inputting that information? Uh, so what, what the FDNY does is uh, we inspect our hydrants. So, so in our yep. response area, the firefighters are, are responsible for inspecting the hydrants twice a year. Okay. So we're in, you know, you, you got that twice a year routine check, but also, you know, if you, if you go out and let's just say you had a, you know, an automatic alarm in a building or a call for fire. So we're treating it as fire and the engine pulls up, they're checking the hydrant and they notice, Hey, this hydrant's frozen or it's out or, you know, or say we go to an auto extrication and the mm. car happened to hit the hydrant, you know, you could, uh, it, it gives them the ability to update it at that moment, oh, which okay. is a great thing because let's pretend that you went to an auto extrication earlier today and they took out the hydrant that was on the corner. And now you log into the software and you say, boom, this is now red. This one's, this one's out. You literally, it's, it's up live information. So you may have given, say there's a fire on a building on that corner on the night tour, that night tour. They're going to be working with, they're going to see that it's red because of the, the information that you updated that right. morning, which is awesome. I see. So it's driven by the operations section of your organization, really, who's out turning hydrants Absolutely. and checking stuff. Okay. That's Who cool. Who cares man. more? Uh, you know, and, and that was something that we had to break down to its basics because it may seem like a simple question, but we're like, okay, so who's going to be responsible for this information? Yeah. yeah. And then you have to think about it. Well, who cares about this information more than fucking us? Yeah. Right? Our answers are well, on this, the line when it comes to it. This goes know? right back to what so, I was talking about, about it being systematized, right? Like it's... If it's, yes. if it's not, if it, who's, who's going to take charge of it? If it's, if it's just uh, uh well, you know, if you, you leave it on one person, you know, Oh, this, this guy's in charge of that. What if he leaves? <laughs> so yeah, have, having exactly. a, pro, having a process that's bigger than any one individual is really important. Oh man. Yes. Well, that's, yes. And it's a way of, sh- it's a way of sharing the information with ease. You know, we, we make it so I, I, I we operate both in the firehouse and at my company with with the under the kiss principle right yeah keep it, keep it simple stupid yeah because again even if you're the smartest guy in the world you got two minutes you got well, our goal was to make sure you can absorb all the critical information that you need in regards to the emergency you're responding to in under two minutes you know and you could be the smartest guy in the world i'm going to give you a paragraph you're not going to be able to use it right. you know so it's that constant tinkering of making this thing so basic and user friendly and just colorful to get you exactly what you need, nothing that you don't in the most clear, concise fashion, you know? And, uh, it's funny because a lot of people, again, the question is, is, well, how'd you, you know, how'd you guys think of this? You know, how, what, what sparked this, this whole idea, you know? And, and it was, it was funny because it was me and my partner, one of the co-founders, it was actually his idea. He's not even a firefighter. You know, <laughs> I was telling him a story. I was telling him a story. We were at the dinner table. I was at his house. And he was asking me about work. And I was telling him we went to a job earlier that day. And it was a fire in a catering hall. And I was in the engine that night. I was in the engine that day. And, and it was garbage day. 
okay? Mm. And I'm telling you, there was garbage bags packed up to, you know, my, my head, lining the whole curb, <laughs> right? And and I couldn't see. I was, it was, I, there was no. And I meant to, help, to, to on top of it. It was alternate side parking also. So it was like there was no break in the curve for where the hydrant could have maybe have been. And and I missed the closest hydrant. And we ended up, I looked at the chauffeur and he goes, there's one on the, on the avenue. Just take it down to the avenue. Okay. And that's what we used. And there was a delay in water. And thank God no one got hurt. We got everyone out. We got the fire out. But, you know, I'm just saying the story like this n- normal thing. He goes, yeah, but you guys know where your hydrants are. I said, yeah, well, I mean, if you got an experienced chauffeur and he's in like his first two area, yeah, you probably, right. he goes, no, but I mean, like, you know where your hydrants are, right? I said, yeah, well, in house watch, you know, like in the firehouse, there's like, we got a map What like, it's all penciled off, like, like, like a little blips on the, on, on a map right. and it shows you where the hydrants are. He goes, yeah, but how's that going to work when you get a fire? Are you going to try and like, look at that map uh, because people look at that when you get a call, I'm like, well, no, it's just, you know, a way to, he goes, but how do you not know where your hydrant is? I said, you know, and, and my name is Bobby, his name's Rob. I'm like, Rob, it's just, I guess I gave him the typical fireman answer, right? Like we, we hate fire, firefighters hate two things, the way things are and change, yeah. you know, and I just gave him the answer of like, listen, it is what it is. It's you know, how it's it, always been it's done. The Shut way your we mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you don't know anything. Yeah, no, what do you know? Up. Be quiet. No. <laughs> I'm like, listen, it, it is what it is. This right. is the way we, we do it, you know, and right. it works, right? We always get the fire out. He goes, bro, this is crazy. When, 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 when you go shopping at a fucking shopping plaza that's not even, you know, a little different than the usual shopping plaza you go to. You're using ways, you're getting directions, you're getting all these things and but but you guys got life saving tactics and, and and you don't have anything? I'm like, Rob, it you know, it's it's a valid point, but I'm telling you, you're barking up the wrong tree. You know, I just it is what it is, you know? And then she calls me like three days later. You thought about what I said, this and that I was like, Yeah, I thought about it and you know, go away. And uh, I think it was maybe two weeks later, we went to another, uh, it was a call for fire. And again, we missed our hydrant. This one, because someone was parked on, someone was parked on the hydrant mm-hmm. and we blasted right past it. We didn't even see it. And then we, by the time the next week showed up, we couldn't back up to even get it. So now we're not on a hydrant because the truck blocked us out. And we missed it again. Right. And, and, and by all means, I can't speak high, more highly of the guys in my firehouse. This is not uncapable guys who don't know their area. You know, it just happened. And, yeah. and after that, I was a little pissed off again and I called them. I'm like, you know what? Maybe there is something we can do. Maybe there is something we can do to give guys a better heads up. And, and, and you know, I'm a newer chauffeur in my firehouse. And by no means, this is a question that I get asked by chiefs and senior guys all the time of different departments. They say, you know, we don't want guys leaning on these tools, you know, and not knowing the response area. You know, you still got to drill them. I said, listen, man, mm. you talk to any guy in my, any senior guy in my firehouse, all they do to me all fucking day is throw out addresses 
and and get there, get me there right now, you know. And you got to know exactly how to get there with with the clothes. And if you dared to pick up pick up your cell phone and say, "Let me fucking put it," I remember there was one. There was one. There's a guy who texted me an address in my firehouse, and he wanted me to text him the directions right back. I didn't even see it right away. You know, if I, I didn't answer him in a minute, he goes, you're looking it up. Very good. <laughs> this and that. And I, I was like, I didn't see it. You psychopath. You know? So it, it, I 100%, I hate the fact if that someone, the, even the thought of someone using this as a crutch to not right. learn your response area. That's not what this is. But what this could do is it does also give guys turn-by-turn navigation to the incident. Right. Now, let's pretend that you're having a brain fart. You just talked about getting that run in the middle of the night. Your brain ain't working while you're having a brain fart, and you do need a little bit of heads up. Well, it will give you that. Yeah. You know, if you get – for us, we get relocated. You know, I, I'm a firefighter in Brooklyn, but say uh, we get relocated to Manhattan all the time. I know my response area cold. Right. But – if I'm going somewhere and now I'm in Manhattan, I don't know how to get around the block. Yeah. Hey, you know? and I that's, do need that additional. That's a real, yeah, real interesting problem. So you say that because we, uh, in our organization, we use a lot of rovers and transient, you know, transient employees to cover vacation and sick, et cetera. Right. Well, yep. I roved into a station as a captain one day and my entire crew is rovers who've never worked at that, <laughs> never worked at that house before. Now, you know, like you, over time, you get to know the city, but you know, in our city is a little bit different. You know, we've about 512 square miles though. And, uh, it's, uh, I, so as an, as a chauffeur, as you call it, right. As I was an, we call it an engineer as a driver. I was a newly minted driver. I get roved into a station. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't turn a wheel all shift until the middle of the night. I go out to the, I go out to the rig and I'm staring out the windshield and the and the captain says, "Go west." And I'm like, uh, "I don't know. I don't know if I'm facing north or south. Like I'm completely turned around." And it's an embarrassing story, but it just really speaks to the the reality that hey, we need it. We we have to be. We do have to be independent of those tools, but we do also have to use adjuncts to help us be successful. Right in the middle of the night is not the time to go play quiz games and go. All right, which way is west, dummy? Right? No, yep. that's we need to yep. leverage those tools to the best of our to, to give us the best advantage tactically, strategically, and task wise to be successful in these operations. So it's it is really yep. really important. And uh, um, so I do have a question though. So is that software? So like, hold on, I got a bunch of questions. So we we have yeah. a a uh, an MCT system that's that's pretty robust, and we have a mapping system in there that has hydrants and, and um, you know, street view it doesn't have street view like you talked about, but we do have the ability mm-hmm. to get an overhead imagery. And I'm wondering, so we have that and it's, I always, I grew up with that. I thought, man, this is just the way it is. Right. Um, how prevalent are you finding it throughout the American fire service as you guys are going out and sharing this, that people don't have that technology already? Yeah. We're, we're, so that's a great question. And, what we're seeing pretty much across the, we've had, we've released the product a, a little, I want to say a little less than a month ago. And we, we have, it's great because we probably have over a hundred users. And this is just the mobile version. What the software is, is just a way for guys to get familiarized themselves with the software prior to it 
being on their rigs, right? Uh-huh. It's like an awesome way to start getting the, them feeling for it. But what's great is that we have about a, we have over a hundred users now, and and the users we have, you know, guys in Cali, guys in Atlanta, guys in Florida, guys in Texas, obviously guys in New York and New Jersey. So, you know, a hundred users, it's a nice test sample. But what I love about it is that it's salt and pepper throughout the U.S. Mm. And you're getting exposure and, and you're getting feedback from guys because, you know what, I deal with frozen hydrants all the time. Cali, they're not going to be dealing with that. You know, and, and it's just, so you're seeing that, okay, different first responders in different areas are different, dealing with different hurdles. And yet we're seeing that we're able to add value in all of them. When, when, when guys or girls are touching this, and they're saying, Bobby, I am, this is sick, man. This, I have not seen, we don't have anything like this. I, you know, I don't want to take my hands off this thing. And, and it's great because again, they're talking about, I, I like it for frozen hydrants. They like it for a completely different reason or right. a different protocol that they use that it's giving them an advantage for. So right. it's so cool to see the way that you're able to add value across the board here. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to kind of go off. No, on, no, on that's so, there, that's great, what, man. I, what we're seeing is in most of these departments is that they don't have anything like that. And, and you know, even within my organization where I'm a firefighter, you know, again, we're checking the hydrants all the time. But are you getting the status of that hydrant the second I need it when the call comes in? Are they, is, is there a software that's clearly telling you? Okay, I know you know where the hydrants is, and I know you know uh, you have a map, and maybe you have some experience in this in this area, so you kind of know. But is is there something that's clearly pointing you? Hey, you're something again. That kiss method. Yeah. We don't. We we haven't seen one department that says, "Yep, my my, my fire is on five 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 Fourth Avenue. My closest hydrant is forty feet north. It's in service." Right. You know something where it's so painfully clear cut where even when they have something that might do one of those things it's like well i have to look at the address and then i have to find the cross streets and then i have to kind of refer to another map that isn't like synced with the system and then i can find the hydrants and then that software will tell me or maybe they have like three different softwares and i have to shuffle between the three and i said wow you do all that on on the on the way to fire they go no no, we of course figure you figure it out when we get there. No, right. Exactly. You know, it's so, like, well, then what's the point of having all these things? It's not going to, yeah. you know, if, if they're not so user friendly that you can't get the, the job done in, in, in a minute, two yeah. minutes. Yeah. The, pa- the I mean? pathway to utilization has to be easy. Otherwise, you won't utilize it. If it's not simple, it's not simple I'm out. <laughs> especially, especially. One of my <laughs> no, sorry, I may cut you off, but especially when I'm en route to a fire, I've got to check. I've got my, my radios. I got to come up with a plan. I got to get dressed. I got to, right. you know, blah, blah, blah. There's a laundry list of things I got to do. The last thing I need to do is fart with a system that's going to take me five extra steps to get to the information I need. Forget it. Yeah. Not having it. You're going to say, fuck it. I'll just go. I'll figure it out when I get there. Right. By the time I get the information, we'll be there already. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it, it, it's something that you got to, you know, and we appreciate that aspect of it and there's so many things that we're like oh this would be cool that uh, it wouldn't work what worked for us throw it out you know or, or we're gonna have to fine-tune it before it's it's actually operational and you know it's funny you just said something that brought me right to something that one of my one of my favorite lieutenants said to me one time he goes bobby first responders 
he's like people in general aren't going to always do what's right. They're going to do what's convenient. Mm -hmm. So if you can find a way to make what convenient is right, then they'll always do what's right. You know, like guys are, you can always count on people to do what's convenient. You know, so if this tool was so easy and it auto prompted and you don't have to punch anything in and it was giving you all the information, yeah, guys are going to use it. Naturally, guys are going to, and the less, the more work you make someone have to do in that tight window when they have to make sure their gear is squared away, when they have to make sure they're trying to already listen for dispatch, giving them additional information. You make this thing too complicated, which we've seen across all of the all of these departments, even when they have something, they just say the feedback that we're generally getting is it's just too complicated and we don't find ourselves using it. Yeah, we got an iPad. Uh, we don't really even know how to we're using it. Yeah. You know, we don't really use it on the way to a fire. It's like, yeah. man, that tool is so useful if we if if we leveraged it correctly. Right. You know, you already have it, but you don't have the software that's giving you guys the right information. So what we are seeing is either they don't have the tools or when they do have the tools, it's so the process is so convoluted that you end up rendering it useless in in, in, the, in the process, you know? Yeah. You mentioned briefly uh, your the charity, and, and I want to talk to you about that because you're doing some really cool stuff, and I want to share that and, and spread the word on that. So help us understand what you're doing. Sure. Okay, so uh, we have a chat. The charity's name is called The Humble Heroes of FBMY. And we've been we've been around for about four years now, and what we do is we dress up as superheroes and we visit sick kids. And so we visit pediatric burn centers and cancer centers at major hospitals across across the country. And you know, recently we've started fundraising, so now we actually give out toys to all the kids that we visit. We go to special needs schools, and uh, it's an incredible thing, man. It started out with just just a few of us, you know, a couple of FD guys. I got a couple of buddies. Now it's FD, uh, PD. We got prime military guys. We got civilians from all walks of life. You know, we're in, uh, we have a headquarters in New York. We have one in Florida. We go to, we go to St. Jude's in Memphis. So it's just, that's cool. The growth has been exponential. So are there, bra- are there branches in these other parts of the country or do you guys go? Correct. Oh, well, in Memphis, right, we, we travel to Memphis, but in okay. actual, in Florida, it's another chapter nice. of the organization. So they have a whole other uh, thing going over there. But it, it, it's funny. A lot of people ask, you know, how, how did that even start? Yeah. You know? That was my next and, question. <laughs> and it, yeah. So it's it, it, interesting that it wasn't, you know, a lot of times people expect it to be born out of some personal tragedy of my own. And, mm. and, and it, it really wasn't. What happened was my buddies and I, we were, uh, we were the kind of group that already took it too far for Halloween. You know, we would definitely <laughs> go overboard. Let's, you know, on Halloween, you go to a Halloween party, you see a couple of people you're like, wow, that's a really cool costume. And then you, you maybe see like two other people and you're like, wow that guy needs a fucking hobby, you know, like that guy has got way too much time. We were the, the latter of those two, right. you know? So we would always go over the top. And one year we were dressed as the power Rangers, you know, and it, like nice. the original power Rangers and yep. these motorcycle helmets. And, and this woman came up to us crying at this party. She's crying. Uh, um, you know, we're like, what's wrong? She said, my son 
He's uh, he's sick. He has cancer. He's absolutely infatuated with the Power Rangers. If you guys, if you guys were to visit him, it would make his whole week. You know, is that something you guys would maybe be open to? And this and that. And we said, hell yeah, yeah, we'll do it. This and that. And literally from there, I was like, you know what? We already have a passion for this stuff. We're already doing this stuff. It, you know, if we can do have some good comfort. You know, why the hell not? You know, so yeah. we started from that and then we started going to, you know, NYU, Sloan Kettering, New York Presbyterian. It was just going over so big. And, you know, these hospitals, like no one's ever really done anything like this for us. And it's so incredible. And, and it's crazy because so one of the guys that does it, his name is Kenny Restrepo. He's a prior Marine and he he's a tattoo, uh, uh, a very successful tattoo artist. Right. And this guy makes most of our costumes okay. and you want to talk about attention to detail. I mean, you want to talk about just hours and hours of work. He makes these costumes so on point. I don't know if you've seen any of the pictures. I'll be happy to provide them. But yeah, these kids it, it, it's, it, and it's great because the kids, no joke, are your biggest critic. You know, they'll say, like, <laughs> hey, I see skin here. This, you know, they'll call you out. In yeah, a second. I've never but, seen such a weak ass Power Ranger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, if you're not up to snuff, they're gonna yeah. they're gonna call you out. And uh, but the, you know, the, because of the quality and the time that's put into these costumes, yeah, I'm telling you, it, the reactions they don't see. You know, Bobby Bonomi dressed as Captain America walking into the room. They think Captain America took time out of his day to be bedside with them. And their reactions, it, it's it's incre- it's like nothing I could ever describe. You know, it's it's the the reactions are incredible. It, it just yeah. awesome, awesome stuff. So it's uh it's cool to be able to do that. And and it's funny because you go in there and you know you bullshit with 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 the parents as well. And and it's like you're giving them again. It kind of touches on that point before. I think the reason why I like it is even the parents. You walk in the room, and even if you're in the room for 10, 15 minutes and you're laughing with the kid and laughing with the, with the parents, you're giving them this 10, 15 minute, they're going through it. I mean, you're talking about, you're in some yeah. of the most volatile, sensitive shit, for lack of a better word, just shitty situations, shitty, you know, and, and, and you're giving them like a 10, 15 minute break of just laughing yeah. and they don't have to cheer up their kid. You know, that's all being taken care of. And, yeah. and, and it's just like you're giving them a break. Listen, once you leave, reality's going to come and, you know, kick them in the ass again and reality will set in. But you're giving them just a break and you can feel the lightness in the room. And, you know, sometimes people come up to you, man, I haven't, I haven't, la- I don't, can't tell you how much I needed that. And yeah. I would say probably, the biggest, the best story that can illustrate exactly what I'm trying to drive home is last year we flew out to Memphis and we did a visit at St. Jude's Children's Hospital, right? Mm. They set us up in a hallway. Now, St. Jude's is set up where it's almost like five different buildings all funneled into like one cafeteria, one major cafeteria. So this hallway is where they set us up. So you got, I mean, you, you have so much traffic through this hallway and we're set up there and I see a kid, I want to say he's maybe 40 feet away from me. He's in a, uh, he's in, he's in uh, a wheelchair, right? Mm -hmm. His dad just made the turn into the hallway. He's got a, he's got a hat on a little Captain America hat, right? And I was dressed up as Captain America for that visit. Is that your go-to costume? He's got a hat on. 
yeah, that's my that's my <laughs> that's my go to costume. Right right? So I've probably used them all at this point now. <laughs> but uh, so this kid spots me. He from from probably 40, 40 feet away, jumps out of the wheelchair, sprints right over to me, right. <laughs> so I got my hand out to slap him five. He bypasses the hand and just gives me this big hug, tight hug. Yeah. Right. And then he's got his, he pulls away and he's, and he's got his hands on the side of my face. Like he can't even believe what he's looking at oh. on the side of my face. And he goes, I am your biggest fan. I have a, <laughs> I have a replica shield. I have a pillowcase with your, with your face on it. I have this, that, that. And I'm like, that's crazy, man, because I'm your biggest fan. This, this, this. And we're joking around, laughing, this and that. Right? And the kid, the kid ends up going and making his way to the cafeteria. And, and it was awesome. You know, but, but my, what, the, the, the part that really made it special was the father came back maybe a few minutes later, five minutes later. And, and big guy, you know, he came over. He's like, hey, man, I just want to thank you. I said, yeah, man, happy to help. Listen. He goes, no, you don't understand. I've been trying to get my son out of that wheelchair for weeks. Mm. You don't know what you did for him and for me. I don't know how to thank you. And this guy is big. And this is like, this is like a guy's guy. And he's in tears. You know, I'm looking at my fiance. She's there. And she's in tears. You know, and it was just such a, such a fucking win. You know, and you yeah. don't realize that you're able to do things for people that to be able to, you know, I've never been in that situation, but you can tell that, you know, we were able to do something for this guy that he couldn't do for his son. You know, it was like, and to be able to do that for someone, it's, it's the most invigorating experience. And it's just, it proves every day because, you know, the charity is growing at an exponential rate and sometimes it eats up your whole day. And you're like, man, I didn't think, you know, I've clearly underestimated. I'll, I'll be the first <laughs> one to say I've underestimated what, this whole endeavor was going to turn into. I didn't think yeah. it was going to turn into this. I didn't think it was going to take up this much of my time, but it's so rewarding. And it, when you think, all I need to do is think about that one story or any of these stories, and you're like, nah, it's worth it. Yeah. Nah, this is this is definitely fucking worth my time. Do, do, being able to do something for people, again, it goes back to, I think I'm addicted to that, to that draw of being able to help someone in those dire situations. And being capable of doing it, it's like, yeah. it, you know, wh there's nothing better and, and, and nothing that draws me in more than that. Yeah. You know, it's really, I have a little nephew who, uh, who had some cancer and uh, went through, a, uh, you know, the, what I would Sorry call, to hear that. what I would call the shit storm that is cancer and, mm -hmm. um, you know, Jude for a little kiddo. And I think, uh, I don't remember how old he was at the time, but five or six uh, maybe. And, um, Amazing though that the the folks that showed up in in similar uh, attire, if you will, and did similar types of things for the kids, man. Just to, at first, at first, I'll be honest, man. I was like, that's silly. Like he knows, he knows that, that he knows that ain't Captain America. <laughs> but right, but but he didn't care, right? And he was so. Nah. Um, it was it, it, to this day there are memories that 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 family shares and talks about. Um, relative to that experience and, you know, not just the ugly parts of cancer survivor survival, but the, the uplifting parts and the people who served them, uh, it's such a, an amazing uh, place to come and, and help lift somebody up the, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's funny cause it's really connected to 
when we talk about the fire service and what what we get to do, the privilege yep. of being a firefighter is that is that right there the the opportunity to yes. bring light into someone's day uh, when they're in the middle of their shitstorm, and so, yes. and that's so important to remember that. And I think it's so really cool that you're that that's that you found a, a, an outlet for that in addition to the job, you know, where you get to do that. Um, you know, you have the privilege of that. It's really, really super cool, man. I commend you. Um, I, I couldn't that. be luckier to be surrounded by it because you know what, if it was just my efforts, it would probably still just be me going around to hospitals. But the fact that the, the, the organization has grown to the level, it's not, it's the people around me that are just super capable and super committed. Yeah. This is a hundred percent volunteer organization. No one makes a dime. And the amount of time that people pour into this and you just, you see the very best in people, you know, and, and, and giving them the experience after every visit, I try and, you know, we'll, I'll grab the volunteers. We'll go grab a beer together. And one of the questions I like to ask is, you know, like, Oh, well, you know, what was your favorite moment or what was the biggest mm. takeaway from that? You know, we'll go around the table and I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, you know, we're called the humble heroes. So to forgive me for this kind of old language, but they said, man, what a humbling experience mm. every time. And it's happened to me too, where they said, I can't, Bobby, I can't tell you the shit that I was stressing out about just prior to doing this hospital visit. And now I, I'm grateful for the problems that I have. I can't believe I was stressed out about problem X, Y, and Z, uh, this bill and that bill. And we listen to all of us. Yeah. And he goes, now I see a kid who's in better spirits, spirits than me because no shots today. Or, you know, I was able to go outside today. Or, uh, yeah. I didn't have to, I didn't have, I didn't throw up once today. Yeah. And you're like, Oh my God. Like, like, He's in such high spirits with his situation. And I'm going to sit here and bitch and complain about whatever's not perfect in my life right now. I mean, it really, it yeah. grounds you. Yeah. I guess it's the best word. It grounds you. So it's, it's a great service for me. And I, I make sure I do it with frequency because it keeps things in perspective for me. Yeah. No, that's amazing, man. How often do you, how often do you have a chance to go and do something like that? We probably do visits about once a month. Hmm. As of right now, we were, you know, since with COVID and everything yeah. that's going on, yeah. it, we, they've had to kibosh most of our upcoming visits. Yeah. So what we've been doing right now is uh, we've been actually doing visits more frequently. We've been basically doing these parades. And again, not my idea. One of our volunteers basically mentioned, he goes, listen, Bobby, what do we do? What is our mission statement? I said, yeah, well, we help kids in need, you know, or we help kids in these dire situations. He goes, okay, my kids are going nuts right now. Mm. They have no park to go to. They yeah. can't go to school. They can't see their friends. He goes, they're going nuts. They're in need of something. I said, yeah, you know what? You're right. I was like, we got to think about maybe there is something we can do. He goes, all kids are starting to fall into that category right now bro he's like just being honest with you i said yeah you're right and then you know a day later you know i had my crew kind of brainstorm on it and they came up with this idea of having these parades and you know we, we wear the mask it's like a social distancing parade where we're preaching you know safety the right. mask and all the heroes are masked up and everything like that but 
we we publish it's it's been fun we we kind of we'll put two neighborhoods we'll post two neighborhoods right and we kind of let the the, the public vote on social media oh that's cool and whoever votes the most they you know they win and where we post the map of where we're going to be going and these people come out i would say this last parade there was just so many people coming out and you know my buddy jokes around because I'm like, you see the same faces. People are traveling, even when we're not in their neighborhood, people are traveling you. to see these parades. That's awesome. And I was talking to one of the guys, they're like, yeah, man, I follow you to all of them because what else do I got going on? My kids <laughs> love it. They get to dress up as a superhero. We get to wave at them, you know? That's cool. He's like, and we'll find two spots to camp out so we can see you guys twice. And this, and it's, and it's, it's so fucking cool, man. That's and really so it's cool. like, even uh, you have to be able to adapt in whatever situation it is. And, and even on this last one, as, as this chaotic environment increases, you know, with the, with, with, with the protests and, and, and some of the violence that's going on, you know, I was like, man, should we still, maybe, maybe I should kibosh this. I don't want to see, you know, where, where, where the, where a tag, where, where, where a line. One of the guys said, you know, it's a great cause of what you guys are doing, but you're aligned with the FDNY. You're aligned with NYPD. You're aligned with, a lot of things and you have a lot of social awareness and these yeah. people who are, you know, who, who want to incite violence are looking for platforms to do it on. He goes, I'm not saying you're a high priority target, but you can't pretend that you're not a target either. Hmm. I said, you know, you're right. And I, you know, I have to really, so we took additional safety protocols, but I was at so close, right? Rain, I can't tell you. I was, I was so close to canceling this thing, and I spoke to some of my mentors. One of them, he's a Green Beret, and I told him, I said, listen, if this was your charity, just be honest with me, would you, would you cancel it? You know, because it's not just me. If it was just me going out there, man, I, I really, not that I have no regard for my safety, but it's a lot easier decision. If it's just me and, you know, one other person who's, yeah, I'm cool with it too, Bobby, let's do it. Okay, yeah. but it's, it, you know, I got 20 volunteers and their safety is my responsibility, uh, you know. And and it was so I was so close to gaboshing it, and and he's like, "Listen, you have to do it. You absolutely have to do it. If we got to enhance security, we'll do it. You know, more PDS, whatever it is, we'll 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 take the necessary protocols. But people need this now more than ever. You got you got over a thousand kids." That, that, you know, are in this environment and they have less of an understanding of what's going on and right. you're going to give them the ability to smile and laugh and disarm everybody for even an hour, two hours. He's like, in my opinion, you have to do it. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? It was kind of what I, I, I wanted. It's not that I didn't want to do it. I wanted to, but I didn't want to be irresponsible either. So it was, uh, but we did it and you could, you could feel the difference. I mean, there were so many people outside, not even the kids, but, you know, uh, um, just people you in the community, veterans outside. Yeah. yeah, just on their porches, like, oh man, thank awesome. you. We <laughs> needed this. The messages that flooded in afterwards, you know, it was like such the the confirmation that's like we did what we can do. You know, even a time like this, if you can help, you can. Oh, you're always in a position. It's so easy to feel powerless and say like, watch the news and say, like, man, the whole fucking world going to shit. Right. You feel powerless, and then you do something like that, and you're like, no, I'm not powerless. There's still a lot of people I can help, and and they need it now more than ever, you know. And and you feel great when you do it. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Now you got me all fired up. I got to figure out what I'm going to do. I got to go. <laughs> I got to yeah, go, I gotta you, go it, do something awesome. right now. 
<laughs> Listen, we'll cut the podcast short. I'll see you in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, hey, so that's so that's amazing, bro. It's been such a pleasure, man, to talk with you. Um, if, Hell yeah, man. This is fun. <laughs> if folks want to hear, uh, if they want to look up more information about First Response Co., um, or the humble heroes of FDNY, where, where would they go to source that information? What social media platforms or sure. whatever? So for the company, uh, the, the best place to go to our info is save time, save lives.com. That's our website. We're also on social media uh, across all the platforms, rapid response co, uh, for the charity. We are called the humble heroes of FDNY. And again, find us on Instagram. Our hashtag is ny underscore humble heroes i'm sorry humble heroes underscore ny and i i would say uh instagram is probably the best way to stay up to date with all of our, our recent visits our parades and any upcoming visits it's probably the best way to interact with us if people know sick kids that you know need a hand if they have a hospital that they think could use a visit that's the best place to reach out to us we got people on standby they were always very responsive and we're excited to help man Nice. On every front. Right on, brother. Well, hey, man, you said, uh, we, we talked about this early in the podcast, which is leave it better than you found it. And um, I really believe that the work that you're doing, man, you are, you're making an impact, man. And uh, that's a, a credit to, uh, to who you are. And I um, appreciate you for leaning in like that, man. It's a good example to all of us. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate your time and, and having me on here. You're doing a great thing over here. I've listened to a bunch of your episodes and, and the way you're giving guys a platform to, you know, it, it is part of the difference that each one of your, each one of the people you host on your show, it, you're a part of that difference. You know, it, I feel like you're a part of the success of everyone you interact with. So <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm grateful to even be given the opportunity to speak on your show. So right thank on. you very much. I had a blast. Right on, brother. Thank you. That's all we have for today. Thank you, Bobby, for sitting down and rapping with me. I uh, appreciate the work that you're doing in the fire service. Appreciate the, the work that you're doing with your charity arm. Yeah, if you're enjoying the podcast, uh, please subscribe, go to iTunes, leave a rating and a review, uh, go to whatever podcast platform you enjoy the most and subscribe. And this podcast will drop in the middle of the night. Uh, that's all I got from this point forward. Take the example that Bobby is setting for us. He is magnifying his calling as a firefighter and going out and doing all kinds of good stuff. Uh, leverage your space, leverage your time, go out and do good things in the world. Do good things to support and build your career, to support and build those around you. Be a good senior man in your firehouse, but also be a good senior man in your community and go out and support the men and women, the families, the kiddos, the community that surrounds us. Get some.